That was not really encouraging there. How y'all doing today? It's all good. Yeah, hey, it's all right. We finally had a, a spring weekend here. I was happy about that last week at McKenzie. We were, uh, we were saying we're going to call a, a prayer and a fast week that we would actually get our spring back. And maybe somebody actually did it because we have a nice weather. And I, that's, that's good. If you don't know me, my name is uh, Drew. I am the campus pastor at uh, your sister campus across the river at the McKenzie Lake location. And, uh, and our campus, our church over there, we bring our greetings to you this morning. And uh, just... I'm just thrilled that you're able to, that you're allowing me to come and share God's word with you this morning. So, so that's what we want to do. Can we open up in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for our time here together. We thank you that we um, have been called by name, that you love us, that you uh, lavishly pour your grace on us, that your mercies are new every morning. And Father, I just pray that this morning as we dive into your word, that there would be encouragement that would rise up in our spirits that, that would come from you. And we'd be able to apply this in, in our everyday lives. In your name, all God's people said, Amen. 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 So I'm going to make a little bit of an assumption here. And I know that's not the way you want to start off a message is making an assumption. And trust me, I know the definition of what assumption is and to assume. Um, but here, here's my assumption, okay, is uh, if you are here today, it, there is a good chance that there is a part of you that is interested in, in God, Right? That's, that's kind of why we come and we gather together as, as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. No matter where you are in your faith journey, if you're, if you're kind of like wondering about this who God person is, if you're, if you're right in the middle of it and you're like, how can I get more of God in my life? How can I make my relationship with God deep and, and authentic and, and real? There's a good chance that you, we all have this in common this morning, that we have an interest in, in God. And so we want to touch on, on this in our series. What is he like? What's his character? What's the nature of God? And we don't want to overwhelm you with so much character traits of God. And so we're going to, we're going to kind of dive into one specific character trait of who God is. Uh, and that's this. We're in a series, and we're called, it's called a Heart of Generosity. And, and we want to uh, talk about this area of generosity, that God is a generous God. At, at the core of, of who he is, is, is this character trait that he is generous and that he lavishes his generosity over us and he invites us to live a life of generosity. Uh, a, a passage, the, probably the most famous Bible verse in scripture is John 3.16, right? And what's that Bible verse, what does that say? God so loved the world that he, he gave his only begotten son. And so Jesus' life here on, on earth is an example of how to live this life of generosity. He modeled this in every area of his life with his actions, with his, with his words, in, in his nature, and in his ministry, and his conversations. Uh, Mark 10.45 says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ is the ultimate example of service and giving, and he gave his very life for us. Now, as followers of Jesus, he invites us into this, uh, into this life of, of generosity. And here's, here's what I want us to, to hear on this, that this life of generosity is not just a matter of being generous with our time, though, though that is involved. 
It's not just a matter of being generous with our words and words of affirmation and, and encouragement, though that's involved. It's not just a matter of our finances, though our finances are, are involved. When it comes to understanding this fundamental aspect of who God is, it's, it's about our hearts. It's about God's heart. It's about our hearts connecting with God's heart and understanding his heart for us. And so these next four weeks, we're going to look at a character in Scripture who had a heart for God. I mean, he really knew God's heart. And he, he lived his life accordingly. Now, there, there is a, a way that we look at the characters in the Bible that can be helpful. And then there's a way that we look at the characters in the Bible that are harmful. A harmful way of looking at the characters in, in the Bible is that these are extraordinary people with these incredible giftings and these incredible talents, kind of these, these quasi-superhero individuals that God handpicks because he says, you are so gifted, you are so good, and I'm going to use you to further the, the kingdom of God, basically what we're doing is we're looking at, at a bunch of these characters like, like they're modern day Wayne Gretzky's, right? Modern day Steve Jobs, mo modern, modern day Albert Einstein's or, or Mozart's in their, in their respective fields. I used to be a youth pastor here, right? And so right now we're in the middle of playoff season and I am an Euler fan, so yeah, yeah. This little mixed response here, you don't know who to cheer for, do you? <laughs> Welcome to my world for the last 10 years. <laughs> and so, and so I'm, in, I'm in kind of like hockey mentality right now, and, and I just have this core belief about hockey that, that Wayne Gretzky is the best player to ever live, the, to ever live that has played the game. Right? That's just, that's just kind of who I am. I think stats would, would identify with that. And, and when I was a youth pastor here, I actually had some guy that was trying to convince me that, um, that Jerome Ginla was better than Wayne Gretzky. You kidding me? I don't have ears for that kind of talk. Like, I, I, was, I was ready to call church discipline on that guy. Like, get out of here. I don't even know where I'm going with that. <laughs> that's a lot of pent up. That's 10 years of pent up frustration coming out. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. When we look at, at uh, Bible characters, like we do with these, these modern day heroes, like these Steve Jobs, like, like these Mozarts, like, like Mozart, right? 200 years, 300 years after Mozart is, is living, has lived and has written all his music, we're still gathering around and we're listening to his, his music, right? Like, it's quite something. Uh, like Randall, I, I'm just going to say, buddy, I love your worship and I love your music, but I'm not certain two to 300 years from now, people are going to gather around. They're going to say, you know, Randall, hire, had a CD and, and let's, let's listen to this, this CD, when, and I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, I love his stuff. But when we, when we, <laughs> when we approach men and women in, in the Bible, that they are like Wayne Gretzky's, and they are Steve Jobs, and they are Mozart's, and they are Albert Einstein's, then the stories that we read, they can actually become a burden to us as we feel we can never match up to these characters. 
we're actually elevating the role of man and we diminish the role of, of God and it robs us the, the courage to step out in faith and let God do something and it robs God the opportunity to use individuals like you and, and me to advance the kingdom of God. And so my point is this, that the characters that we read about in the Bible, these characters are you and me. They're us. They're ordinary men and women that God has used in extraordinary ways. And if you're a believer this morning in Jesus Christ and you're adopted into the household of faith, then I, I want to say this, that the, that the same spirit that resides in, in these individuals that we read in Scripture resides in you and, and me. And, and this is important. Because otherwise, we're looking at these characters. We're looking at Peter, and we're looking at James, and we're looking at John, and we're looking at that Nehemiah, and, and we're saying, hey, I can practice this shot. I can do all, all I want, but I will never live up to what these guys have done and what these guys are, and that's not true. It actually diminishes God and his ability to work through ordinary people like you and, and me. Okay? Are we on the same page with that? Is that all right? Right? So I want to introduce to you a, a Bible character, a very ordinary guy that, that God uses in extraordinary ways. His name is, is Nehemiah. Okay, so Nehemiah has a book in the Bible that's named after him. You can turn in your Bibles to uh, the book of Nehemiah. It's in the Old Testament, just before the book of Psalms. So kind of open right in the middle of the, of the Bible and just go to the left of that and you'll find the book of Nehemiah. But, but Nehemiah is a guy that knew God's heart. He, he really knew God's heart. And he, and he applied God's heart in, in his everyday life. How, how do we know that? Well, well, it's this. It's, it's wrote his whole life and in this whole book that we see of Nehemiah that, that prayer is a foundational and a fundamental aspect of Nehemiah and him connecting with God. Now, that, that shouldn't come as a surprise to you and me that, that prayer is the key to knowing God's heart. Like, we shouldn't be sitting here this morning, if you've been attending SunWest for any length of time, we shouldn't be sitting here this morning and be like, whoa, mind blown right now. You're telling me prayer is the key that unlocks God's heart in my life and, and that, that allows God's abundant life to flow through my life. Like, if, if you're sitting here this morning, you've been attending SunWest for any length of time, and you're like, wow, that's the key. We have totally missed the, the boat here on this. Prayer is the fundamental aspect of knowing God's heart. But knowing this and, and doing this and applying this and integrating this in our lives, it's two very different things, isn't it? I think, I think most of us, our general consensus would be that, yeah, we, we agree prayer is important, that that, that, is a, that is a foundational aspect of what it means to live a, a Christ-filled life uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, led, led, by, led by God into a Christ-like manner. But the reality is that's, that's a difficult one that we apply to our lives. And Nehemiah, he's going to show us some things that I think are, are going to help us. So let me read. Um, I think we're going to have it on the, the screen up behind me. And we're going to, I'm going to start off in Nehemiah chapter 1. And it's a little bit of a lengthy passage here. So I just pray that I hope that you would um, stay with me here. So Nehemiah, I'm going to pick it up in verse 4. He says, when I heard this... 
And what he just heard was news of his hometown in Jerusalem that has been burnt and is in ruins. And it's, uh, the people are, are homeless there. And, and Nehemiah is thousands of miles away from his hometown of Jerusalem. And he uh, is, is, a, is a servant for the king. We're going to get to this. But he says this, When I heard this, that the walls of Jerusalem have been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. And then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great awesome God, who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember that you told your servant Moses, if you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hands are your servants. O oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. And early the following spring in the month of, of Nisan, the month, not the car, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving uh, the king his wine. I'd never before appeared sad in his presence. And so the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. And then I was terrified. But I said, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins. And the gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king asked, well, how can I help you? Note this right here. With a prayer to the God of heaven... I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Two things are happening in this passage. There's two different kinds of prayers that, that we read here. We see this, this first kind of prayer, and it's the big block of prayer. This is the, with the sole purpose of, of us setting aside a chunk of time in, in our day so that we can hear God's voice and we can pour our hearts to God as we hear God's heart being poured into our lives. Growing up, I, this was called um, quiet time, our quiet time. I think we could have done a lot better job by naming this time quiet time. But it was called quiet time, or you might have heard it as, as devotional time, or your, or your devo time, um, or closet time. But it's this regular rhythm of, of pulling out of the routine of life and getting alone with God and listening to God as God pours his heart onto us. And we respond by pouring our heart back to God. And on top of this rhythm of us listening and, and praying and, and talking and relating to God, we see Nehemiah here. He has these rifle shot prayers that he fires up. He just prayed this rifle shot prayer in this passage. We got that there, right? It was, Grant your servant favor. This kind of prayer, I think, is a, is a really important prayer for us because note where Nehemiah is at. 
He's at work. he's, He's at the marketplace. He's at his job. He's not in his room. He's not at church. He's not in in a place of of worship. He just put his life on the line. He's sampling the king's wine, making sure that it's not poisoned. It passed the test. He was was okay. Now he's nervous because he's going to talk to the king, and so he needs to settle his nerves. Maybe he pops another glass of of wine there, and and the king looks at him and says, hey, you, you look sad, Nehemiah. You've never looked sad before in my presence. What's up? What's going on? And, and this is Nehemiah. This is the rifle shot prayer. He says, okay, God, you know that those prayer times that we've had, you know those moments where I have poured my heart out to you, where I've, I've heard your voice in, 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 my, in my life. Here we go. Be with me. Grant me favor, strength, and courage. There's two kinds of prayers that we see in this passage. There's the built-in, there's the, set of, the built-in set-aside kind of prayers, and then there are these rifle shot kinds of prayers. And this is what I want to propose to you, that we need both kinds of these communications for any relationship to work. Now, I, um, I like to take my wife on dates. She's sitting over here, and, and we like to do this every once in a while. We're able to get out, and I just find it helpful to do that, to have a, a good relationship, right? And, and so, so we try to do this, and we, we get out, and, and this is the time where we kind of hear each other's hearts, and we have a rule that we try to uh, apply when we go out. Um, it's a rule that we break every single time we, we go out on these dates. And the, and the rule is this. Uh, don't talk about kids, right? Don't talk about your children. Let's just talk about us. And, and I just think it's the most ridiculous rule that has ever been created. I actually, I, I think it was made by a couple that was married that didn't have kids. And they told everyone else not to talk about their kids when they get together. And, and so, so we, we get together and we, we try not to talk about our, our kids and we, the hope is for me to know her heart and to see what's going on there and for her to know my heart and to see what's going on in, in my heart. And this is the time where we talk about dreams and our future and, and finances and we talk about our, our health and our hopes and our, and our friendships and we talk about the things that have been laying dormant for a while in our, in our life. I find that to be very a helpful practice for me and Kristen. But this isn't the only kind of communication that we have. We also have these kinds of communication where it's these, these rifle shot communi- uh, communication points. Where we're firing texts to each other through, throughout the day. Hey, how you doing? How'd that, how'd that meeting go for that you had? Just this, this last week, we're firing each other some of these, these text messages, and it, and it kind of went like this. Like she, she started off this morning, and she just said, hey, l- love you, right? And you got like this kissy face and these, like, these little, like, little heart emoticons, and I'm like, oh, yay, she loves me. This is good. Yeah. And then later on in the day, she fired me off another picture of our youngest son, Beckham, and, and he's a year old, and he, he found one of my oiler hats, and he put the oiler hat on. He's got this big smile on my face, and I'm like, yeah, go Oilers, right? And, and, then, and then she fires me off another text later on in the day, and it, this is kind of where things go south a little bit, and she says, she says we have uh, two extra kids here. Upstairs is a disaster. Prepare yourself. <laughs> and she knows me well. And then, then soon after that, she sends me a fourth text, and she says, I think Paxton, my uh, son, middle son, I think Paxton was playing a kissing game with our neighborhood girl. Can you talk to him? <laughs> really? He's five. 
here's here's the thing though this is what I I want us to see you know this relationship is is going to break down If, if she fires me off a text and she says hey how was your lunch meeting today I was thinking about you and I say babe we're going to save that for date night yeah I got you booked in the calendar we're going to talk about that date night time right that's not going to work or, or it's the same thing if, if we, all we have is these forms of communication where it's just these rifle shot texts that we're sending to each other. Hey, can you pick up a, uh, a thing of milk? Can you get some cheese for, for supper tonight? That, 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 that's not going to lead into a vibrant relationship. That leads into a, a roommate, not a vibrant relationship. And, and this is what I want us to see here. It's the same in our relationship with God. We need both forms of communication in our relationship with God to be a vibrant, lasting relationship with, with God. Uh, like this, this is how it might work for some of us. You're in your quiet time, and, and you're thinking about work, and like the, the things at work, they're just on your heart a lot. And, and there's a guy at work, and he's, he's really annoying. Let's just call him Bill. And Bill is a very annoying individual. And you're praying you're in regards to your attitude towards Bill. And you're saying, God, I, just, I need patience here. I need to show Christ-like love. I need serenity. I need, I need, your, I need your peace. And then, and then you see Bill at, at work. And you run into Bill. And you say, okay, God, all those things that we prayed about this morning, all those things that we talked about this morning, now is when I need you. And so Bill goes, good morning, Drew. Hey, Bill, how you doing? You want to go for lunch? Nope, nope, got plans, got got plans and I run to my office and I shut my door. See, here's the thing. If, if hu- human relationships work, work this way, how much more does our relationship with the Heavenly Father work like this? And my concern is this, is that we are missing out on, on vibrant relationship with God when we don't have these forms of communication with Him. Because the reality is we're not robbing God if we're not talking to Him. We're robbing ourselves. And my fear is that we get stuck in these bad patterns in life because we won't connect relationally with him. So just out of curiosity, how many of you this morning would say, yeah, you know, Drew, I'm good at the rifle shot prayer thing. I've I've got like a machine gun full of rifle shots that I fire up all all throughout the day. I'm like, God, help me. God, be with me. God, strike down the guy driving slow in the fast lane. Like that, that's me. Like I, I've got this rifle shot thing down, but I, I'm not so strong at setting aside a chunk of time. How many of you would say you're the, you're the rifle shot prayer? Yeah, okay, we got, we got a few of you. Now, how many of you would say, yeah, but um, I, I, I'm really good at this, at setting aside 5 to 10, 15, 20 minutes. I got this time booked in. But the reality is, is an hour or two later, actually, I forget what I say and, and what I've been reading and what I've been praying about. That, that's all our type A people, by the way. How, how many would say, yeah, I got that one booked down, though. I got this, I got this, this chunk of time that I've booked in. How many of you would say, yeah, you're, you're, you're strong in that area? All right, we've got a few. How many of you would just say, I stink at both? <laughs> all right, all right. We've got some honest people here. Oh, I'd like to say um, this. I found this to be true in, in my life, and I found it to be helpful. Um, live your life, or it will live you. Live your life, or it will live you. This is a bold statement here, I was going to say, but the reality is, I think for most of us, probably 90% of us in here, is that we will never fill the extra space in our life with prayer. 
right? We, none of us, or maybe some of you are here, but I know it's a struggle for myself, is that if I have an extra hour of time that has become available, I'm not saying to myself, hey, I'm going to spend this extra hour, and I'm going I'm to pray, and I'm going to seek God's face. That's just not my, my go-to. That's not what's happening. I, instead, I fill it with things like, like watching zombies and watching The, the Walking Dead and, and stupid things like that. We don't fill that extra hour with, with prayer. Do, do you know why we don't do that? It's because there is a, a war that is raging around us. It's a, it's a spiritual war that is raging for our soul. It's a very real war with a very real enemy that really wants to tear you away from a relationship with God. And, and we like the idea of a loving God who cares. We like the idea of a loving God who transforms us. We like the idea of a loving God who relationally speaks to us. But to go from that idea into a reality where this transformative relationship becomes reality in our life, it takes time, it takes energy, and it takes intentionality. And if in this war that we are in that is raging all around us, the enemy can just keep us distracted just a little bit more than this this slow process of transformation that we are in, it grinds to a halt. And, and we begin walking in our own wisdom and we begin walking in our own strength instead of the life that he has promised us. And this is what I want to encourage us in this week is that if we want to see God's transforming power in our life, if we want to get a sense of God's heart uh, in our life and that our heart change and morphs into his heart, then, then I would encourage us that we set aside some time this week to commune with him. And, and we don't go all Gretzky, and we don't go all Steve Jobs, and we don't go all January gym junkie and say, I'm going to spend 90 minutes with God this week. I'm going to wake up at 3.30 in the morning, and I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to go work out, and I'm going to pray some more, and I'm going to fast. And, no, let's not start there. Let's just start with five to ten minutes. And, and part of that prayer is, is Lord, Lord, would you help me be mindful of your presence today? As we look in, in our calendars, we look at what's coming in the, in the day and the meetings that we have and the events that we have. And, the, and then when those meetings and those events happen, then it's the rifle shot prayers that we fire up and we say, hey, God, we, we talked about this this morning. Remember that, that moment that we had this morning and you were encouraging me through your, through your word and, and in prayer? This is the time when I need that, that strength from you. And this is the time when I need your wisdom. This is the time when I need your, your courage. And then after we do this for a little bit, we, we build it up from five to 10 minutes in the, in the morning or in the evening, and we go 10 to 15 minutes, and, and maybe at some point we'll go all like 90 minutes and, and 60 minutes, and we can be like Billy Graham and Martin Luther. But, but the point is, is that sometimes, and I think what the challenge for a lot of us is, is that we overestimate our spiritual resource, and we underestimate the enemy and his strategy. And, and Jesus said, he talks to his disciples about this. He, 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 with Peter and James and John, as, as um, they make this, these bold declarations to Jesus, and they're like, hey, we'll never leave you, Jesus. We'll, we'll never forsake you, Jesus. I, I will always stand with you, Jesus. And, and then they fall to the wayside, and they don't keep the promises that they made to Jesus. And then Jesus challenges them on this. He says, well, you guys, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You have good intentions, but you need some training is, is what he's saying. And so, so my point is that we start slow and, and we build from there and we, and we start building a strong foundation. 
Now, I just want to touch on one final point, and, and, then, and then I'd like us to, to try something. Uh, why is Nehemiah able to pray like he does? Because Nehemiah, he's got some pretty strong beliefs about God. He, he says things about God that, that he's pretty, he has strong convictions on. He says, you're a covenantal uh, keeper, God. You, you keep your, your promises and your pledges. You're, you're faithful, and you're just, and you're powerful, and you're a God that hears his people, and, and, and you're merciful. He believes all these things about, about God. Uh, here's what I, I want us to see with this. No matter where you are in your walk with God, we all have beliefs about God. The, the reality is, everyone in this room, if you have an opinion about God, then you are a theologian. You don't have to go to school to be a theologian. If you have an opinion about God, you are a theologian. And, and how you form those opinions about God is really important. Maybe what we've done is that we have formed these opinions on God based on what we think, based on our personal experiences, based on what somebody else has, has told us. And that becomes the foundation of our view of who God is. And when that becomes our foundation, then what happens is we've, we've created God in our own image. And we've created a cheap, weak, and an impotent God. Or, or perhaps we, found, we formed an opinion on God based on what he's done for us or what he hasn't done, or what he's provided or, or he hasn't provided for us. And when we create an opinion on God based on what he's done or haven't done, then what we've done is we've, we've created a genie for a God. So where, where does Nehemiah get his beliefs about God? How, how has his opinions of God been formed? One thing about Nehemiah, that long prayer that, long prayer that we read uh, earlier, is that what he's doing, he's, he's literally uh, ripping off Scripture. He's, he's just going right back to the book of Deuteronomy, to Moses, and he is quoting what Moses said to be true about God. In Deuteronomy 7, verse 9, Moses says this, Understand, uh, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Almost word for word, Nehemiah is ripping off Moses. He's going back into scripture and he's allowing scripture to form his opinion on who God is. I mean, this really is plagiarism at, his, at its best. This is how he gets his views on God. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're a little bit of a, of a skeptic and, and you might say, well, yeah, Drew, that, that sounds really nice. It actually sounds a little bit convenient that you're using the Bible to, to prove the Bible. But it's not convenient, actually, because the scriptures is composed of 40 different authors over thousands of years across three continents with multiple languages, and it's all pointing to the same God. It's all pointing to his work of salvation among humanity. This is not convenient. This is divine. And, and, and Nehemiah, he, he, he gets this, and he's hanging around in Scripture, and he's, and he's letting Scripture form his opinion on who God is. And he goes to Deuteronomy and he's clinging to this passage and he's saying, you're a covenant keeping God and I know it because your word declares it. And he starts going into this one passage. That's a, it's a gritty passage. It's, it's got some sandpaper and edge and, and earth in it. And, and this, is what, this is what he quotes. And it's actually, it's helping Nehemiah out. 
So Nehemiah, he, they're in slavery here, and, and he, he's quoting this passage, and he, says, and he says this. This is what you said to be true. He says, and this is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 25. He says, says this, in the future, and this is Moses writing, in the future when you have children and grandchildren and, and have lived in the land a long time, do not corrupt yourselves by making idols of any kind. This is evil in the sight of the Lord your God and will arouse his anger. Today I call on heaven and earth as my witnesses against you. If you break my covenant, you will quickly disappear from the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. You will live there only a short time. Then you will be utterly destroyed for the, for the Lord will scatter you among the nations. And there only a few of you will survive. And there in a foreign land you will worship idols made from wood and stone. Gods that neither see nor ear nor hear hear, nor eat, nor smell. Well, that's not a very encouraging passage. Why would Nehemiah want to hang out in that passage? It's not the kind of passage you would put on a bumper sticker or a, or a t-shirt, but it's bringing a lot of comfort to Nehemiah. Why? Because he, he's saying this. He's saying, you told us this would happen if we stopped listening to you. If, if we started living life our own way and we stopped heeding your commandments and we stopped heeding your way of life, you warned us that this would happen and his prayer actually turns into a confession. It, it turns into an act of repentance and he's saying in, in Nehemiah's prayer, he's saying, we did this. We, we turned our, our backs on you. You warned us what would happen if we did this and now we are living with the consequences of that. And I'd like to say this because those gritty, earthy, sandpapery kinds of passages are really important. I mean, we don't like to spend a lot of time in, in those. But it's important because we live in a broken world. And if, and if anyone should never be surprised by, by disease and death and natural um, disasters and, and acts of injustice, it should be the Christian. Because the word of God warns of this reality. In fact, Jesus, he talks about this. And he warns his disciples and he warns you and me. And he says, in this world, you will face trouble. But take heart because I have overcome this world. And, and this is where Nehemiah goes with his prayer uh, because this is where scripture goes. And it doesn't stay there. And so back to Deuteronomy, it continues and it says, but from there you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will find him. And in that distant future, when you are suffering all these things, you will finally return to the Lord your God and listen to what he tells you. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon you or destroy you or forget the solemn covenant he has made with your ancestors. This is what is forming Nehemiah's opinion on God. It's, it's forming his prayer life. And so Nehemiah, he's going before the king. And he's back in his workplace. And he's going to make the most ridiculous ask of the most powerful king in, in the land. And how can he be, be so brazen? How can he be so bold in this request? Where is this confidence coming from? Where are his opinions of God coming from? They're coming from the word of God. And what he's doing is he's letting the, the word of God roll back up to God. Why? Is it, is it to remind God of what he had promised? No, it's not to remind God of what he has promised. God knows what he has promised. It's to remind himself of what God has promised to us. 
And, and as he does this, then faith starts forming in him. We, we want to let the word of God drive our prayer. And so uh, I, I said we, I wanted to um, try something. And we're going to do something a, l- a little bit different in, in, in how we close. I'm going to ask the, the band to, to come up here. And, and they're just going to play quietly for us. And, and, and it's going to be, uh, we're going we're gonna to practice what we, just, what we just learned here. And I want us to create a little bit of time and, and space in in this facility, in this time right here, where we are um, praying to God. In your, in your bulletins that uh, was given to you, there should be a bookmark there. And on the bookmark, there is a place where you can uh, take some notes. And, and what I use when, when, and this is just something that I grew up in, and so it's just kind of taken root in, in my, own, my own life, is um, it's this acronym of, of uh, when we pray and, and how we approach Scripture and we let Scripture uh, drive our prayer life. How, how do we actually do that? So there's this acronym there that is ACTS. Do you have that? Do you see that? Right? So Acts just means A is, is adoring, adoring God. C is confessing. T is thanksgiving. S is supplication, which is, which is our request. And, and, and I have a passage here that we're going to uh, look at, and it's going to come on the screen from uh, Romans chapter 11. But this, this is, um, when, we're, when we're going through this, when we're looking at the different uh, ways that we can pray, there's a lot of different acronyms that you can use. But I think this is an important place for us to start being uh, formed by the Word of God and and our picture of who God is, that we are adoring God, meaning that we are placing God on His rightful place. And when we do this, when we start worshiping God and just adoring who He is and the nature of who He is, then it starts putting our problems in perspective. And then we move from adoring to confession. And and in this time of confession, it's it's a time of saying, God, I've, I've fallen short. Here, I've, I've messed up. I, I said things that I didn't want to say. I did things that I said I wouldn't do. I've, I've caused hurt. I've caused wounds. And, and we have to trust that, that when we are confessing our sins to God, that he is faithful and just to forgive. When we move to Thanksgiving, this is such a beautiful part of our prayer. It's just thanking God for the blessings and what he has done in our life, how he's provided for us families that we have, the homes that we are in, uh, uh, how he's provided financially, how he's provided relationally. Scripture says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His, his love endures forever. And the last part of, of this prayer uh, form is, is the supplication. And, and, and I'm, I'm convinced that when we walk through adoring God and, and confessing and thanksgiving, when we get to the, the request part, that, that we, it changes our request. It changes our, our hearts and the posture of our hearts. And we can still stand on the promises of Scripture, that knowing that my God shall supply us with all, his, all our needs according to his riches and glory. And we just place those needs. We say, God, in in your time, your your will be done in in these situations. So we're going to take a look here. I think, can you, are you able to put the scripture on? Romans chapter 11, 33 through. So here's, here's here's the passage here. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decision and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? 
Who, who knows enough to give him advice? And, and who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? See what Paul is doing here. He's, he's adoring God. He's just worshiping God. He's just saying, this is who you are. This is your character. This is, this is the nature of who you are. Let's go to the next slide. And then for everything comes from him and exists by his glory and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So then you might move into the confession. You say, ah, oh, yeah, there's been behavior in, in my life that actually looks more like, like the customs of this world than the, than the customs of the king of, of, of heaven. And just confess that. And then just move into thanksgiving and then a, a place of, of uh, supplication where you're requesting from God the things that are on your heart. Can we just take um, five minutes? Yeah, five minutes. And the band's just going to play here. And you can write down some thoughts and you can just uh, go through the, the acts that we just went through. And then we'll put, we're going to put the passage back on the screen for you. So we're just going to take the next five minutes. I'll come back up and then we'll finish off in a, with, a, with a song of worship. Can we stand this morning? We're going to uh, end with a song here, but let me just uh, pray. Pray over you. Uh, pray with you. The prayers of the saints are uh, sweet-smelling incense to the Lord. That's what Scripture says. And so would you join me in, in prayer as we connect with, with God's heart? Father, we just uh, declare that you are good. You are so good. The, the whole earth it declares your glory. We walk outside and we hear the, the birds chirping and we see the sun shining and, and the wind moving and, and we just know that that is the earth that is declaring how good you are. That you are sovereign and you are powerful and, and you put this whole thing together and we are in the palm of your hands. Father, we confess that, that sometimes our, our life doesn't reflect that. Sometimes we are not like the birds that give you the glory and, and our minds get so socked in into our own issues and, and way of life and what's going on uh, around us and we feel heavy about those burdens. But God, thank you that you say that um, we don't have to carry those. That your, your promise is that uh, my yoke is easy. My, my burden is light. And we're to take those burdens that weigh us down and we're to give them over to you. <sighs> wow. Thank you, God. Thank you for creating a, a way where we can receive abundant life from you. That we don't have to walk in guilt. We don't have to walk in shame. We don't have to walk in heaviness. But, but we know that we serve a God who lavishly is pouring down his grace onto us and is saying, hey, my mercies are new every morning. So, Father, we hold on to your mercies and we just pray, Father, that you would work in us.
and transform our hearts that we would be a people that reflect you, your character, your glory, your, your might, your love, your grace. Father, we, we love you. We want to know your heart. We want to reflect your heart. We want to be your witness to those around us. We thank you for your character. We thank you that you are a, a promise-keeping God. You keep your covenant. In your name, amen. Amen. Let's, let's sing a song.